The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Welcome to everyone here and those online. I am Laura Shinnam, Minister of Congregational Life, and I'm joined on the chancel this morning by Reverend John Burens, former beloved minister of UUSF, and Dennis Adams, who's our wonderful worship associate. Thank you to our musicians today, our music director, Mark Sumner, our pianist, Bill Gaines. We have the special honor of the Grandview Aloha Band joining us today, as well as Pastor James Arona, who will be providing us with traditional Hawaiian music. We are grateful to our tech team, led by our Director of Communication, Jonathan Silk, and behind our cameras, Shuli Ong and Eric Shackelford. Thank you to Gregory Stevens for monitoring the chat and available to help if you have any questions. And our ushers are led by Linda Mesner and to Athena Papadakis for our flowers today. Again, it takes a village to make us be here and be present on our Sunday mornings. We hope all of you here are in live stream, have an order of service so you can follow along during worship. This morning's offering will go to Faith in Action Bay Area Belong Emergency Fund. A week ago, Melvin and Reverend Vanessa were at a media event to draw attention to three families who are in temporary housing at a hotel paid for by city vouchers until they can get into a shelter. And the city was ending their voucher support. This week, one of those families, the Durans, a family recently arrived from Venezuela who are seeking asylum, were left to sleep on the streets by the city. The family has a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a six-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. The older child's school called to say that the boy was having a panic attack because he didn't know where the family would sleep at night. The elementary school staff called to say the six-year-old spent much of the day crying because she was so nervous and sad. They have lived in San Francisco since September 6th, and despite registering with the city access point and asking over and over for help, they have only had shelter due to the generosity of the community. Last week, their hotel was paid by a group of day laborers who are barely surviving themselves, but decided to donate so this family didn't have to sleep on the street. This week, they were supported by the emergency fund that we're asking for donations for today. There are other needs, hot meals, you can't cook in a hotel room, and people need food through the weekend. So if you wish to be a part of a response to support this family, contact Vanessa and she will share the Faith in Action information with you. In addition, by donating to the fund during our offering, you will help them and many other families who are left stranded by our broken system. This morning, we will hear from John, Reverend John Burens, who will reflect on how scripture was abused in the spread of settler colonialism, even as he invites people in his Monday evening adult religious education course on the Hebrew Bible to learn how the scripture can be understood and to counter oppression and begin the process of healing. Let us turn our hearts to worship and invite Danielle and Miles Cronenberg forward to light our chalice.
please join me as we say the words of our chalice lighting. Those of you joining us via live stream, if you have a chalice or candle available to light on your own, you are welcome to do so. Let's say the words printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Let us rise in body and spirit as we are able to sing together our opening hymn number 38 in our great hymnal, Morning Has Broken. to welcome everyone to participate in our Aloha Ohana auction event next October 15th, right here after Sunday services. It's just next week. Tickets are $30 a person. If this does not fit your budget, inquire about donated tickets and $5 tickets at the event table after this service. Uh, families, uh, children are uh, heavily discounted, and uh, uh, inquire also about that. This is a party for everyone and their families, and we welcome to, wish to welcome all to enjoy the music, the hula dancing, the local island-style food, including the choice of vegan Hawaii, a Hawaiian plate lunch, and a regular luau menu. All of the food will be cooked and served with the spirit of aloha, by me and many others. <laughs> Don't thank me yet. I haven't <laughs> delivered yet. <laughs> um, part of the ticket proceeds will be donated to uh, Maui Strong to help those impacted by the recent fire disaster and recovery effort. Your contributions will be greatly appreciated by the people of Hawaii, especially Maui. And bring your cash in small bills to buy raffle tickets for some fun prizes. Uh, extra announcement, Judith Alderson found someone's brown bag and Susie uh, Bernahola now has it. And a couple other announcements. Uh, the blessing of the animals uh, will be held uh, today from 1 to 2 p.m. at the chapel. Join us in celebration with music, songs, and speakers. This service affirms respect for all life, reminding us that we are part of the interdependent web of ex all existence. The ritual is a tradition of St. Francis of Assisi, namesake of our city and patron of animals and the environment. 
Reverend John Burens will give the homily, the Great Animal Orchestra. Please bring your animal companions or photograph of them and participate in this recognition of all creatures of this earth. And calling all artists, UUSF members, family, friends, group show, a reminder for people to bring in three pieces of their art for an annual UUSF Family and Friends group show Sunday, October 8th, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're looking for people who'll be willing to help hang the show, uh, ask Elaine Pratt or anyone at the art intake table what you can do to help hang the art in the King Rooms. And thank you, this concludes the announcements, uh, and I believe we're having reading of one another um, until the music sounds. Thank you very much, everyone, and aloha. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is my honor and pleasure to be a part of your worship here at the uh, Let's see, the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. My name is James uh, Arona, and myself and my classmate here, Ka'ala, will share with you a himene, a mele, which is based upon 1 Corinthians 13.3. And I'm quite sure many of you are quite familiar with it. Many of you may have used that for your wedding vows, the promises that some of us made a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> for real. children are going to talk about today are uh, the indigenous people and their creation stories and how Monday is an important day to recognize the indigenous people history and uh, the roots that they have in our land and in our the beauty of our earth 
And so I have two creation stories for you. One is a Hawaiian creation story, and one is a creation story from Genesis. And so the first one is from Hawaii. This story comes from Hawaii. It, is where it was the part where it was part of the Kumulipo, a chant recounting both the origin of the world and the genealogy of Hawaii's reigning family. The Kumulipo is a work of poetry with many shades of meaning and plays on words, and it also contains many subtle parables and parodies of rivals of the royal family. It is difficult to render the native Hawaiian wordplay and rhyme into English prose, and while this version tries to maintain some of the juxtaposition of organisms with similar names, it can, also, it can do so only in a limited way. In each section of the story, shades of darkness, each of which have their own names in Hawaiian, progress toward daylight and give birth to the life of the world. So imagine a day where dawn is just breaking. When the earth first came hot and the heavens churned and the sun was dark, land emerged from the slime of the sea, the deepest, darkest of caverns, a male in the moonless darkness of night, a female gave birth to the simple life forms of the sea. The coral that builds islands was born, and the grub, the sea cucumber, the sea urchin, the barnacle, the mussel, the limpet, and cowrie, and the conch, and other shellfish. Born was the seagrass guarded by the tough land grass on land. Born was the manua, moss of the sea matched by the manua taro plant on land. Born was kele, seaweed, and ikio, plant of the land. Next, the deep darkness of the sea, darkness broke by slivers of light in the moonlight forest, gave birth to the fish of the sea. The porpoise was born, and the shark, and the goatfish, and the eel, and the octopus, and the stingray, and the bonito, and the albacore, and the mackerel, and mullet, and the sturgeon. Born was the kalua eel of sea, matched by the kalua tree on land. Born was the kapopo fish of the sea, and the kau tree on land. Born was the awa fish of the sea, guarded by the awa plant of the land. Trains of walruses and schools of fish swam past the coral ridges, still in the darkness of night. Next darkness of night and night that just barely breaks into dawn gave birth into the flying creatures. The caterpillar was born and the moth to which it leads. The ant was born and the dragonfly that it becomes. The grub was born and the grasshopper that it becomes. The snipe was born and the turnstone and the mud hen and the crow and the rail and the albatross and the curlew and the stilt and the heron. Born was the sea duck of the islands and the wild duck that lives on land. Born was hee bird of the sea matched by the nini goose on land. Next, as the sea advanced onto the land and passed back and forth across it, the light of the earliest dawn in half darkness produced the crawling creatures that come from the sea. The rough-backed turtle was born and the horn-billed turtle and the dark red turtle. The lobster and gecko were born and the mud-dwelling creatures that leave their tracks on the sand. Born was the wheelie sea borer of the sea and the will-will tree on the land. Born was the opepo jellyfish of the sea and the ohohiho bamboo of the land. Thus the crawling animals were born in the night and creeping and crawling onto the land. Next were born the animals of the land, including the dog and the rat and the cat. Then in the stillness as the light of dawn came across the land were born Laela, a woman, and Kai, a man, and Cain, a god, and Kanalua, the octopus. From the union of Laela and Kai and Cain came humanity. Waves of people came from afar. Born was Hahapoel, a girl, and Hapopo, another girl, in the upland valleys whence chiefs arose. Born were humans spreading across the earth. And now it was day. All of that in that short space of time. Another creation story, book of Genesis, chapter 1, and this is the children's version. This is not the adult's version that goes on for many, many pages. In the beginning, there was no earth or sky or sea or animals, and then God spoke in the darkness, let there be, and right away there was light scattering the darkness and showing the infinite space. That's 
Good, said God. From now on, when it's dark, it will be night, and when it's light, it will be day. The evening came and the night passed, and then the light returned, and that was the first day. On the second day, God made the earth, and over it, he carefully hung a vast blue sky. He stood back and admired his creation. That's good, too, said God on the second day. And the second day was over. Boy, if I could only do just one little thing like that, that'd be lovely in one day. The next morning, God looked around and thought, the earth needs to be a bit more organized. So he put all the water in one place and all the dry land in one place. And when he finished that, God made plants to cover the land. Dandelions and daffodils appeared. All sorts of trees and grasses began to grow. It's looking great, said God. And that was the end of the third day. On the fourth day, God looked around and thought, the daylight still needs a little bit more work and the night is just too dark. So he made the sun to light during the day and the moon and the stars to add a bit of sparkle at night. He hung them in the sky and stepped back to look at his work. This is coming on along very well, said God. The next day, God turned his attention to the water he had collected in the oceans. I want these waters teeming with life. And as soon as he said it, it was so. In no time, there were millions of small fish darting around in the shallow water and huge fish swimming in the ocean. God made birds too. She sent them soaring through the earth, through the air. Ah, oh, that is good, said God. The dusk fell over the water and the sky grew dark and that was the end of the fifth day. On the sixth day, God created creature, added creatures to the land. She made lions and tigers and bears. He made rabbits and sheep and cows. They added everything from ants to zebras to the land. But she still felt something was missing. So God added mankind to enjoy and take care of all that they had created. God looked around and was happy with all she made. And after six days, the whole universe was completed. And on the seventh day, God had a nice long rest and enjoyed looking at all that was made. And those are our stories. Now it's time for our unison covenant and the words of that are in your order of service. If you're tuning in online, you can follow along. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant. To dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. And now our sung doxology.
and time of prayer. Settle yourself into your seats, planting your feet firmly on the ground, taking a deep breath in and out. Let us pray. Spirit of love, God of many names, we come to you this morning with hearts full, full with the sorrow and pain for the families and fellow humans stranded on the street, full with sorrow and pain for the strife and war in Israel and Palestine, full with our own individual struggles and health and relationships and in just being human. We ask God for your compassion and your love to guide us in this journey. May our fellow humans find the shelter they need, the compassion they so deserve. May peace find its way into the land of Jerusalem. God, hold those affected there and in our midst in your love. May each of us who may be struggling in our own way know we are not alone and we are loved. May we fill our hearts not only with sorrow and pain, but with your compassion your peace, and your love. Amen. Now it's time for our weekly offering. Today's offering will be given to support the Faith in Action Bay Area Belong Emergency Fund. This fund helps to pay for hotels, food, and other necessities that the city is not providing at this crisis point when the city's family shelters are all full and the city is ending its hotel vouchers. Right now, families, some newly arrived and seeking asylum, are facing life on the streets. As a church that supports and is connected to our sanctuary city, we are failing asylum-seeking families and we need your help. To learn more, go to the section that's printed in your service, order of service. To make a donation on Vanco, 
also some computer language, or using the donate button or scan the QR code below. And on our website, please select the offering choice to make your gift. If you are sending a check, please mark in the memo today's date, 10-8-23, and special offering. Today's offering will now be gratefully received. satisfied. Blessed are you who weep today, you shall laugh. Blessed are the humble, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, they will find mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be ranked on children of God. You are the salt of the earth, and if salt becomes tasteless, how is its saltiness to be restored? It is good for nothing. You are the light of the world. When a lamp is lit, it is not put under a bushel, but on the lampstand, where it gives light to everyone in the house. Those hallowed words taken from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount remind me that when William Ellery Channing, the spiritual founder of Unitarianism in America, preached the great sermon in Baltimore that began our movement. He too used a scriptural text, prove all things, test them, and hold fast to that which is good. Today it may surprise you to hear the largest Unitarian congregation in our country is in Indian territory that is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's also perhaps the most racially inclusive congregation in our movement. I was once there on a Sunday when a previous minister, 
my good friend John Burton Wolfe, had been called back to the pulpit to preach, sort of the way I've been called back today. And John began with a story about my predecessor as UUA president, Bill Schultz, great leader in human rights. When Bill was leading the UUA in Boston, he chose to live north of the city in a place called Newburyport and take the commuter train, gave him a chance to read. Well, one day, he, as he got on board, another fellow said to the conductor, now, when does this train get to Salem? And the conductor replied, haven't you heard? This train doesn't stop in Salem anymore. Oh, no, said the fellow. I'm due there at 9 a.m. My whole career depends on making this appointment. Well, said the conductor, uh, uh, we still do slow down as we go through that station. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't do this, but I can open all of the doors then. And if you jump out and run as fast as you can in the same direction the train is moving, maybe you won't fall and you should be okay. The man did exactly as he was told, and the train was very slow going through the station, and he soon found himself running alongside an open door of a car up ahead, where two people reached out and grabbed him and pulled him back on, <laughs> saying, you damn fool, don't you know this train doesn't stop in Salem anymore? Now you know why I'm here. It is actually to reinforce what your current ministers have been trying to say. The train doesn't stop in Salem anymore. It doesn't stop to roast witches or heretics, but rather to pull everyone on board. Don't you just hear it? People get ready. There's a train a-coming. Don't need no ticket. You just get on board. Now, as Laura mentioned, this fall I'm teaching on Zoom on Monday evenings, starting a week from tomorrow, about the uses and abuses of the Hebrew scriptures. And to prepare for it, I've been doing a lot of reading about people largely left out of the histories that most of us learned in school. I can recommend, for example, an indigenous people's history of America by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, who lives right here in our city and who has spoken to us here. More recently, I've been taking up a history of the nomadic tribes of, the, of central Eurasia who helped to shape and boundary the so-called civilizations, that is, the city-based societies that were emerging from Mesopotamia, India, Greece, later Rome. All of which has given me a new perspective on the interaction between indigenous peoples and the explorers and traders coming from city-based societies or civilizations with their new trading goods and technologies and weapons and even diseases seen as signs of power and representing what must then be more powerful gods or ideas. It's how Hellenistic humanism spread under Alexander of Macedon. It's how Buddhism spread from India under Emperor Ashoka. And before long, and the both were long before the Roman Empire, Constantine co-opted the Jesus movement and used it in a creedal form to control not only the Mediterranean, but also to convert the encroaching barbarians. Now, what a great Christian Constantine was. Although claiming to have won imperial rule under the sign of the cross, he actually waited until he was dying to be baptized because he felt he might need his sins washed away like the fact that he had most members of his family poisoned or strangled, except for his chosen successor, who, by the way, didn't agree with the creed that Papa had impressed, imposed on the church at Nicaea in 325. The losing party at that council, you might remember, was a fellow named Arius, who clearly felt that Jesus 
had come from on high, all right, to proclaim some uncomfortable truths to the comfortable and to bring some compassion to the poor and the oppressed. Not as part of a trinity that he never spoke about. And there was another early heretic, that is, one who chooses what to believe and what not to believe, who was an early universalist, origin of Alexandria, who simply couldn't square the concept of an all-embracing God of love with any idea of an eternal hell. But I digress. When Universalist Thomas Starr King first came and spoke from this very pulpit in 1864, the genocide and displacement of indigenous peoples here in North America was already well advanced all across the continent and with precious little resistance. Some even said that it was all prescribed and predicted in the Bible. This was, in my humble opinion, perhaps the worst abuse and misuse of scripture in our entire cultural history. It was used to justify perpetuating patriarchy, misogyny, slavery, as though the God of the very dynamic histories recorded in the Hebrew Bible were somehow static. Read it, said Jesuit Jack Mills in his book, God, a Biography. You'll find God gets better grows up, perhaps so should we. Among the earliest white settlers on this continent, the prevailing idea was that Providence had decimated the native population in order to make room for them at places like Plymouth and Boston and Salem. In fact, of course, it was contact with early European fisher folk who brought diseases for whom the indigenous population had no immune resistance that had killed so many, leaving only a few like Massasoit of the Thanksgiving legend to teach the newly arrived pilgrims how to plant corn and squash and have a harvest. And then when the Pequod, the Narragansett, and others rose up against encroachments on their traditional hunting grounds, the Puritan ministers well, at least some of them, told their people that God, they were God's chosen and were licensed to kill and conquer, if not convert, all of the so-called heathen. Often they cited texts from the book of Joshua, in which the children of Israel coming out of Egypt were said to have conquered Canaan, killing all of the tribe of the Amalekites, leaving no one alive and watching the walls of Jericho miraculously tumble down. Yet today, any good biblical scholar, archeologist, or historian will tell you that no bloody conquest of Canaan ever existed or took place. It's all a myth, developed because it was a better story than the boring truth that the 12 tribes of Israel had formed their confederation in a period when the empire of Egypt and the empire of Mesopotamia were both preoccupied elsewhere. Yet what has to be puzzling, certainly puzzling to me both as a minister and a citizen, is why delusional and mythological ideas, like making America great again, triumph over the clearer biblical teachings about welcoming the stranger. Do not kill and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hence my Zoom course, aimed at empowering us skeptics, seekers, and religious liberals with better answers to the many abuses of the Bible that persist in our culture. For example, the creation story Laura didn't tell, the one about Adam and Eve, isn't about sex and original sin. It's about an original discernment, first on her part, 
about the difference between good and evil. Hashtag me too. And the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's not about same-sex attraction and love. It's about rape and violations of the law of hospitality. Don't get me going too far on this, but let me simply say that when we in our culture today allow the abusers to claim the sole right to interpret the Bible, or the Constitution, or the flag, or motherhood, by turning our backs on those cultural icons, we both disempower ourselves and we empower the oppressor. We know a few things about motherhood. As your current ministers can readily attest, when a woman is ready and willing to be able to nurture a child, we even believe in the USA, as flawed as our country may be. Thomas Starr King, during the Civil War, did all he could to hold it together and the flag for which it stand, stood. Not to be made great again as selfish or abusive, but to be made good again, caring for our own poor and disabled, for descendants of those who were once enslaved and sent to reservations, and opening our doors as best we can to the millions now fleeing failing democracies and growing climate change. We believe in interfaith cooperation for the common good because all great faith traditions have their core of wisdom that we can embrace, which is why Reverend Vanessa now heads the San Francisco Interfaith Council, whose efforts to build more affordable housing for our city's essential workers I so strongly support. I guess it was about 30 years ago this fall when I first went to Hawaii. I was the newly elected president of our denomination, and I was to preach at the Sunday afternoon installation of our new minister at the UU Church in Honolulu, and visit smaller UU groups on the Big Island and on Maui, and then to spend a few days at a Buddhist retreat center. The installation was to include many of Oahu's interfaith leaders, so there was no service on Sunday morning at the UUs, and I chose to worship at the old First Congregational Church in Honolulu. They nod, they know it. Started by missionaries who'd come out with whalers from New England. I must say I came to be a bit of a skeptic. I stayed to pray because what I saw that morning was remarkable. It was a service centered on the naming, blessing, and dedication of almost a dozen young children, the diversity of whose ethnicity was made clear in their remarkable names. Makani Jose Hagiwara Sanchez Jones. Maria Lalelani Washington Chong. I'm making these up but I remember being so taken by the way that congregation, in its embracing love, was making the kind of world that we yearn for. By the way, I later spoke with the woman who at, was the director of religious education at the UU Church when his grandparents took young Barack Obama there to Sunday school. What was he like, I asked. Well-behaved, she replied. When Star King first arrived in San Francisco, his first sermon was from Matthew 8:31, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. His first address outside the church was to a July 4th picnic sponsored by the Episcopal Sunday School Society for all the city's children and their families. Sadly, the bishop promptly condemned the society for having invited a heretic to speak. And then on the 1st of August, after he came back from his visit to Yosemite Valley, which he helped to save, he spoke to all of San Francisco's African-Americans on what was then celebrated as Emancipation Day, 
that is, the anniversary of Britain ending slavery in its Caribbean colonies. He said that our flag should stand for more than just a corrupt bargain among the states. It should stand for that higher law lifted up in Scripture, which can only be fulfilled when the church itself includes Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, from every place of every identity, every faith or doubt. All of that, my friends, remains implicit in the mission of this great congregation from its founding. This here train may not stop in Salem anymore because we have no time for witch hunts or oppressive misuses of the scripture. But we are still guided in no small part by words like, what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And the kingdom of God is within you, although I would prefer the translation among you. And the kingdom of God might be translated as Dr. King did, as beloved community among all Earth's children. A realm that surely is present whenever we begin to treat one another as sisters and brothers, all offspring of one great mystery named or unnamed, and understood, as Star King and the Transcendentalist did, as transcending any particular scripture or culture for all of Earth's many varied peoples. So let those who have ears to hear, hear. Those who have eyes to see, see. The holy is in our midst, even in the most broken among us. The eternal thou dwells wherever and whenever I and thou truly connect as co-creators of a better future for all. And the eternal word echoes through our singing and our speech and even in our silent prayers. So may it be forever. Amen. The hymn? Number 187, it sounds along the ages. Seaside prayer 
one holy word declare. It calls and lo, new justice, it speaks and lo, So for our last, for our postlude, for our uh, ending, we have a song called Island Style. And um, we want you to sing along on the refrain, or what the Hawaiians call the hui. Uh, and this, it goes like this. And go ahead, get it started there. Ka'ala. Style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the wind to the leeward side. Sing along. On the island, we do it island style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. One more time just to get used to it. On the island, we do it island style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. Mama's in the kitchen cooking dinner real nice. Beef stew on the stove, loamy salmon with the ice. We eat and drink and we sing all day. Kanikapila in the old Hawaiian way on the island. We do it island style. Mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. Oh, on the island, we do it island style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. We go grandma's house on the weekend clean yard. Cause if we know girl, grandma gotta go hard. You know my grandma likes the boy real sour. I love my grandma every minute, every hour on the island. We do it island style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. On the island, we do it island style. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. One more time. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. One more time. From the mountain to the ocean, from the windward to the leeward side. Oh, Evie, oh, Evie, 
Aloha! <laughs> 